you know, from generation to generation is the, the title of our Advent series. There are two questions that we're asking really throughout these four weeks of Advent, and they are these questions. What did the people in the story of Christ's birth pass down to us? What has come down from generations past to us? And what are we called to pass on to the next generation? So Joseph is obviously one of the people in the story of Christ's birth. And what what we're going to think about today is what has come to us through the generations about Joseph. And what might we want to pass on? What have we learned from him that is worthy of taking with us? And there are probably a lot of things to learn from Joseph, I would imagine. But today I want to invite us to focus uh, on the choices that were before him in this story. Because when he learned that Mary was pregnant twice, he had to decide how he would respond. Would he choose separation or solidarity? Would he stand with Mary or would he keep her at arm's length? And again, as I said a moment ago, I think we face those same types of choices every day. And they're difficult choices, so what can we learn from Joseph? We're going to read from Matthew 1, 18-25. If you want to pull that up, you can. But I also have up here an image that was created by an artist, um, the Reverend Lyle Gwyn Garrity. And it's also back there in the back if you want to, at any point this morning, really wander back there and see a larger image that we printed. This is of Joseph, obviously, uh, sleeping, dreaming. Because as we'll see, in case we don't remember, uh, that's an important part of his story. So the words of the text uh, are not going to be on the screen. Um, I'm just going to read the story. You're welcome to follow along on your phone or in a Bible if you'd like. Or you can just listen, and or you can just reflect on this image while you hear the story of Joseph. Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. 
All right. So let me invite some, uh, some dialogue here. I wonder what you noticed in that story, or maybe in the painting, in that image that was created. Let's have a little bit of conversation here, and if you are a person who prefers an anonymous digital conversation, uh, feel free to scan the QR code and head to a Google Doc where you'll find space to enter your thoughts. I'm going to head there, too, so I can read it. Seems like probably a good idea. But if you're in the room and you don't mind just kind of saying out loud, hey, here's what strikes me. Here's what stood out. Here's a word or a phrase that caught my attention. Um, let's hear it. What about this story? Kind of rung in your ears here a little bit this morning. Yeah, it's very wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so initially Joseph is planning to quietly separate from her. Yes. Yep. It's an important part of the story we're, we're definitely going to come back to. What else? What else just caught your attention? This doesn't have to be anything fancy or profound. Sam, yeah? Joseph doesn't. Yeah. If he does, they're not recorded. You're right. He gets this word in a dream and does it. So it would seem that it's kind of that clean and dry. I don't know. I don't trust any of my dreams. I don't know about you, but <laughs> maybe this dream was so different and vivid that it was unmistakable. And what a gift that would be if it was, right? To have an unmistakable kind of message from God about what to do. I've often wanted that in my life. Very sense. What else? Hmm. Yeah, he, Janelle said that he, want, he wanted to protect her, to um, make, make a decision that didn't harm her, perhaps, right? Um, and I think that's, that's there, um, as we'll talk about here in a moment, yeah? That's right. Somehow he finds out that she's pregnant, but not through an angel, as best we can tell, or that we know, and we don't, does she tell him? Is she scared to tell him? And so it's not until she has a baby bump, you know, that he's like, mm, what's going on? You know, uh, how does he find out? We don't, we're not told in the text. Yep. Anything else? Yeah. Slightly different, yep. Interesting, yes. Yep. Right, right. So uh, Elizabeth just pointed out that different translations are translating some of these words differently. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this, is, this is biblical translation uh, that we're kind of seeing in, in, uh, in a clear example that translating from an old ancient language into our modern language is quite challenging sometimes, and sometimes translations don't agree. But you're right. If they were married, that would have very different implications. Um, 
although was did she give birth three months after they got married you know that would be you know also people could do the math and figure as we okay yeah so yeah it's there's a lot of unknown here um that we don't yeah we just don't know for sure and someone says something uh, similar online about keeping it quiet um so let's talk about that for a moment here about this these choices that joseph makes um because that's what i'd like to kind of i'd like to focus on here this morning um I think that the story about Joseph really does center around how he responds to this news, right? This is kind of the, the main thing that we see Joseph doing in this story is he's making decisions about his relationship to Mary. And again, as we pointed out, there's a lot we don't know, but what I think we do know, or at least we can infer is that this, this news of Mary being pregnant, whether she told him or other ways that he found out, it must have been incredibly unsettling. Yes? I think we can say that pretty safely, right? A logical mind would imagine that if she's pregnant and they haven't been together, then someone else has been in relationship with her. That's very unsettling. Would you agree? <laughs> okay? Like, oh boy, that is turning your world upside down sort of stuff. Probably Joseph is confused. Maybe he's angry. Perhaps he's hurt, wounded, again, with the information that he has. And it's at that moment that he reaches his first choice, his first decision. What will he do with this news of Mary being pregnant, and as a number of you have said, he could have lashed out at her. He could have publicly shamed her. Uh, he really, Joseph is the one with the power in this situation. To really ruin her life, or at least make it absolutely terrible. And he doesn't do any of those things that I just said. Kudos to him. There were a lot of choices before him that could have been really terrible for Mary, and he doesn't choose any of them. That's good. Well done, Joseph. Ish. I'm going to say ish. Um, because as, as it turns out, there's an even better choice for Joseph to make here. The thing is, he's going to need some help seeing that other choice that's in front of him that's available to him. So in verse 19, we read about his first choice, Joseph to whom she was engaged, at least that's how this text has it, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. But then he comes into contact with what we're going to call this morning the better way. As he considered breaking off their engagement quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So again, 
the first choice that Joseph makes, it's not a terrible choice, right? To quietly end the engagement. Could have done worse, could have chosen other, other paths that would have really harmed Mary. But there's an even better choice for him to make. It's not the easier choice. It's the choice that will cost him. It's a, the choice that is far riskier, much more uncertain. But as it turns out, it is a better way. And that better way, that better choice, was to stand by Mary's side. To walk in solidarity with her into an unknown future. To risk the judgment of the village with her. To have her back when she faced questions, when she was ridiculed. And to choose a vulnerable yes to becoming a father to a child that isn't his by birth. Hmm. See, God intervenes in this dream to help Joseph see that there, there's an even better way than just quietly ending the relationship. That solidarity with Mary is better than separation from her. Supporting her is better than staying silent. That remaining is better than running. There, there's a better way here. And I think Joseph's life and his, what he lives out here in the story uh, indicates a pattern that I think is present in our lives too. Let me suggest this and you can see if you buy it or not or if you recognize it or not in your own life. But here's, here's, I think, a common pattern. And the pattern goes something like this. It begins with something unsettling happening to us. Anybody ever have their life unsettled? You know, shaken up? Of course, it's probably actually more often than not that you have something happen in a day that's a bit unsettling. And like Joseph, this especially happens in our relationships. Sometimes it can be as small, although I'm, I'm not saying this is small, but when someone that we love says something hurtful to us or about us, that is unsettling, yes? That like shakes and rattles us internally. That's hard to hear. It's painful. So that happens, unfortunately, somewhat often. That's a small, everyday sort of example. And then, of course, there are big examples when someone we love uh, is given a terminal diagnosis. That's unsettling, yes? Right? Uh, it rocks our world. And so, unsettling thing ha things happen all the time. They happened to Joseph when he gets this news and learns that Mary is pregnant through a means that he does not understand. And often then, the next thing that happens is that we make this choice to pull back or to keep at arm's length this person that we're in relationship with, who either has done something to us or who just they themselves are going through something unsettling. And often we instinctively pull back. We create distance and separation. And I think this is what Joseph does. 
in some ways, his choice is admirable. He could have done a lot worse when he decides to quietly end their relationship. But he's also choosing separation. And I'm not blaming Joseph. I, I, I don't, I'm not like saying what a terrible person he was or I would have made a different choice, right? But it is, it is interesting that his move here is to separate, to pull away from her. And I think we all do this. Um, when something unsettling happens to us or around us or in the life of someone we love, we often are so kind of troubled by that event or the thing that has happened that we, we instinctively pull away. But there's a better way. The pattern can change. It can shift. And instead of pulling back, we can lean in and support and stand in solidarity, which is what Joseph does to his credit. He ends up with some help, right? God has to help him see this other way that's possible. God has to give him some of the context. All that happens, but Joseph still has to decide to lean in, and he does. It's not the easier choice. It's not the less risky choice. It's not the less costly choice. But it is the better choice. So here's what I want to invite you to think about for a moment. What are some examples of how this pattern uh, shows up in our lives or in the world? Maybe if that question isn't quite the right question or nothing comes to mind, maybe you could ask, when is it difficult to stand in solidarity with someone? And that would be potentially an example of, what, of this pattern. So mull that over for a few seconds while I grab this whiteboard, because we're going to have a little bit of conversation again. When does this happen? When are there opportunities to stand in solidarity with folks? And we don't choose it, or our first instinct is to pull back. And maybe we end up choosing to stand in solidarity, maybe with Joseph, a little bit of time, some clarity. Um, but anybody have uh, a thought, an example of how this maybe shows up in our lives and in our world? in religious and political discussions. You want to say more about that? Our first instinct you're saying, Deb, is, oops, close enough. I can't talk and write at the same time. Yeah, and so Deb is saying in religious and political discussions, there's, there's very little standing with or alongside of enough to learn, to talk, to be in dialogue. It's usually separation. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. What else? What's another example? No. This one. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you. That's right. That's right. Yep. So good, Jeff. So Jeff is. No, it's good. Yep. Uh, so Jeff is saying, you know, that there are there are instances certainly when the right safe move is to create distance from someone. No question. Yep. So thanks. Um, we might have gotten there, but I'm glad you're making sure that we get there. No, it's good. Because, you know what, part of what we may get to here in the end, if, you know, how, depending on how this all kind of works itself out, is that you know, all of these decisions about whether or not to move toward or to, to actually create space um, is a decision that requires a lot of wisdom. And um, there's no prescriptive way for me or anyone to stand up and say, in every situation, you should do X. Because relationships are just far more complex than that, right? So thank you. There are instances where space is what is needed. We should actually remove ourselves from the relationship, yes. And that, that's where wisdom comes in. So let's hold that, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deb is talking about boundaries, how that's connected to this conversation. When we don't have boundaries in a relationship, um, that's actually one thing that boundaries can help us create is the appropriate space we need to be in a healthy relationship with someone. That's good. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So when pride, uh, and I'm sure Jeff, you're alone in this, so I'm just going to put your name here specifically. Yeah. When when our pride has been hurt, there's a tendency to pull away for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's, that's good, Stephanie, yeah. Of course, of course. It's a very narrow group of people. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I think we, we do that in, in probably any relationship, as you're, as you're saying there, right? When there's conflict, what do we often do when there's conflict in our relationships? We step back. We pull away. When, in fact, we need to, to lean in. Yeah. Most of the time, I think, or at least consider that as a possibility. How about, how about this one? Bullying. This is one that came to my mind this week. You're at school. Maybe you're in the workplace. Someone is getting bullied. A choice you could make would be to not participate in the bullying that's happening. And that would be 
better than participating in the bullying. But there's still yet a better choice, at least worth considering, and that would be to stand with, to stand up for the person who is being bullied, right? That's an example that came to my mind this week. I was thinking about, um, we'll see if these spark any other ideas for you guys. The joke that has gone awry, or that was awry from the beginning. You know, you're at family dinner, extended family, and someone, or you're at work, and someone offers a joke, and it is completely inappropriate. (laughs) It crosses all kinds of lines. One choice would be to not laugh, or to not participate, or to not repeat the joke. Those would be better choices than entering into it. But what's the better choice? It's to say something, to name what's in the room, you know. As, that's the harder choice. These are, the better choices, as we're talking about here today, are not necessarily the easier ones. Or what about you've just, been, you've just been hurt by someone, you've been wronged, and fill in the blank. It could be any number of a million things. You could... Just kind of separate yourself from that person. And again, as we're talking about, sometimes we are wronged in an abusive way or in a way that there's no desire from the other person to work towards reconciliation. And so sometimes space is helpful. But our instinctive move is often to pull away when we've been wronged. And sometimes the better way is to lean in, to approach to name the wrong that's been named, to see if the other person is willing to own what they've done. This is all risky stuff, hard stuff, challenging stuff. But maybe some examples here to kind of get us thinking about this. Any others before we move on? Struck for you? What do you do when the other person is unable or unwilling to reciprocate? That's another sermon. That's another sermon. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I mean I'm serious because. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, for whatever reason. Yep. It is very vulnerable. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you named that. Most of what we're talking about here is, is a place of vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and Deb, I don't have really, I don't have a solid one-size-fits-all answer to your question because I think this, again, is where every relationship has its complexities. And sometimes it may be appropriate and good and right to keep leaning in. And other times it may be appropriate and best to, to again, create some space. So I don't have a definitive answer for you on that one. But it happens, right, where we do maybe lean in and it's not reciprocated. Yeah, that's, that's a reality. That's the risk. It's part of the risk that we lean in and the other person doesn't lean back. <laughs> um, yeah. I think what's interesting about Joseph here is that Mary is in a really vulnerable place. 
even if he quietly dismisses the relationship, ends the engagement, quietly, not publicly shaming her, but just quietly ends it, that still puts Mary in a really, really hard spot. Because she's now a single woman, pregnant, as a teenager in a culture and society that has no space for someone like that. And so what does she do? What's the rest of her life look like? Does she have a future? Probably not. So she's very vulnerable. And I think this story perhaps is really asking us to look around our lives at who is vulnerable and then, and then to consider is there a step for us to take you know, of solidarity, of standing with. I'll end with, with this. Oh, let me just peek real quick. Yep. Um, I think that in this dream, Joseph hears two really important things. Okay. And the first one, if you were here last week, might sound familiar. Uh, it's that fear is not the only option. Last week we talked about Mary. The angel comes to her and says, what? Do not be afraid. We talked about how, for her, maybe the angel's words helped her realize, oh, I don't, I don't have to choose fear. It's here. Of course it is. But it doesn't have to be the thing that I choose forever. And maybe Joseph needs to hear this too. Um, let me read you this quote. This is uh, from the, the woman, again, who drew the, the uh, picture that we were looking at earlier of Joseph. What I find most interesting is that the angel doesn't command Joseph, marry her. That's not what happens. Instead, he simply says, don't be afraid. He essentially says, don't be afraid of the social stigma. Don't be afraid to become a parent through adoption. Don't be afraid to experience a love greater than you have ever known. Don't be afraid to make the courageous choice, the one that will not only change your life, but the lives of Mary and Jesus and so many generations who will come after you. Don't be afraid. When in reality, when we're talking about these sorts of situations, fear is what we do feel, and fear often controls our decisions. We know how unsettling it is to see someone be bullied. But it's scary for us to be the one who steps in and says something or stands in solidarity. It's very scary, or it can feel that way. And the angel's reminding Joseph, perhaps us as well, that fear doesn't have to control us, rule us, govern our decisions. It's not the only option. And in this dream, I think Joseph hears that our choices, his choices, our choices, can have far-reaching impact. I mean, there's no way Joseph could have had any way of comprehending that his choice in that moment was going to impact you <laughs> 2,000 years later, right? I mean, but it has, hasn't it? It has. And I'm not saying that every choice you and I make has the same kind of ripple that the one that we looked at today in the story for Joseph. But I would also say that we are so quick to underestimate, to underestimate the impact of our choices. 
to stand in solidarity with other people. If you stand with the student who is being bullied, you cannot know the impact that that might have on them. They might say thank you, and they may be very appreciative, and you may get that sense, but you don't know the mark that you've left on their life and what they may in turn go and do when they see the next person being bullied. One thing that wasn't up here, but I was thinking about when someone loses something or someone important to them. They're in a vulnerable place, right? Someone loses a loved one, loses a job, and we can, we can maybe offer a quick pat on the back. That'd be better than mocking them, <laughs> right? I mean, there are worse choices to make. We can pat them on the back. Hey, hope everything works out. It's fine. A better choice, though, would be to say, why don't we grab coffee this week? Let's just talk. I'm available. What can I do? How can I help you? That move of solidarity, that move of standing with, um, we have no idea the impact that that might have on that individual. I'm just making a meal, you may say to yourself. I'm just having a cup of coffee. I'm just offering an encouraging word. What's the big deal? I would say to you, it's the biggest deal. You cannot measure and know the impact that you have when you stand in solidarity with other people, when you are shoulder to shoulder with someone, when you sacrifice for another person. It is far-reaching. It is far-reaching. So maybe we need to hear these two things today as well. Fear is not the only option. Our choices can have far-reaching impact. And with that, let me just invite you to think for a moment about whether or not there's anyone in your life right now who needs you to stand with them. Is there anyone who's been maybe coming to mind as we've been thinking about this story? Is there a person in your life who's in a vulnerable place? And they need someone to stand shoulder to shoulder. Maybe for a moment, maybe for much longer. Do you have anyone in your life right now that's in that place? And if you don't, let me invite you to live with your eyes wide open tomorrow. Because chances are good, before long, someone is going to cross your path who's in that place. I will say this, and Jeff, I think I was going to get here to your point, but we've done that already, but let me also kind of in, in conjunction with that idea say this, that I know that living in 2022 means that you can open your phone and in a matter of minutes come into contact with a world that is unsettled and people everywhere who need someone to stand in solidarity with them, right? And that can be absolutely overwhelming, so much so that we don't do anything. We get paralyzed. So part of the challenge here, and this is where wisdom comes in, this is the connection, 
Sometimes we need wisdom to know that actually this relationship needs space. And then we always need wisdom to know what is mine to do and what is not mine to do. Where am I to stand in solidarity with whom am I to stand in solidarity with? And, and what is not mine to hold or to stand in solidarity with, at least in great significant ways. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there, I'm not, I don't want anyone to walk out of here and think, oh gosh, well I guess my life is now given to every moment of standing in solidarity with people, right? Every need, every cause I must respond to. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there is work for you to do. There is standing for you to do. But it's going to take some wisdom and some sorting out, some praying, some talking with people who you trust to figure out where and when and how to stand and with whom. Okay. So let's hold all of that as best we can while we come to the table here today. And if you're online, I, I want to invite you to grab whatever you need for communion this morning.